In the Green Room with Michelle Truman, brought to you by SOS Global Express. Today we have a very interesting guest. He's a member of the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association since 1999 as a trick and roman rider, as well as a trick roper and barrelman. He's made eight appearances at the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, won the coveted Comedy Act of the Year Award, and brought home the gold buckle from the Coors Man in a Can three times. Welcome to the Green Room, John Harrison. Howdy, howdy. Hey, it's it's great to have you on the show. We kind of have fun and we look for different people that we like to interview and get to know them better. And, and as I'm reading your bio, it sounds like you're an incredibly accomplished horseman with the trick riding, the roman riding, the trick roping. But what exactly is a barrelman? A barrelman. So this is what happens when you spend five years at junior college and don't finish. <laughs> so I, uh, the barrelman is the, uh, gosh, he's like the island of safety for the bull rider. So you got a picture of a guy getting on a bull, 150-pound bull rider, 1,400-pound bull. There's a barrel made out of aluminum, kind of like an oversized pop can out in the middle of the arena. And that is the barrel. And I get in it. So if the bull rider gets bucked off toward the middle of the arena and this bull is going to hook him and step on him or whatever, try to get him, he can run toward me. My job is to distract the bull, hit the side of the barrel, duck down, brace myself in that barrel so the bull can hit me and take the hit for the cowboy so the cowboy can get away. That is that is my job as the barrel man. So how many times has your life flashed before your eyes? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> it happens all the time. <laughs> my wedding night was one of the biggest ones. But I tell you, you take some pretty good beans in a can. I have a sledgehammer and you have to get the dance out of it because when bulls, when they hit it, you know, it's like being in a, a car wreck at a stoplight, even though you know it's coming. So you brace in there so you don't get whiplash but i've got my neck herniated disc and you get hurt all the time just part of it. Caldwell, Idaho might have been my worst wreck. It was, a, it was during a fighting bull, actual fighting bull. It wasn't during a bull ride. And this bull, I don't know what it was. The bullfighters couldn't even pull him off the barrel. Like he didn't want nothing to do with the bullfighters. He just wanted to demolish the barrel. And we rolled around there and he was bouncing me off the fence. You get knocked loose. When you get knocked loose, you don't want to start coming out of the end of the barrel because that's where you really get hurt. And you're constantly scrambling, trying to position yourself. And like three times, uh, you start to black out. And finally, the bull got tired and stopped. There's lots of dents in the barrel, lots of repairs. And ever since then, my neck has not been right. But that's probably the worst wreck in, in the barrel that we've had. So a lot of people who watch a rodeo see a bullfighter or the cowboy protection guys in the arena with you. Explain the difference between the bullfighters or cowboy protection and what you're doing. So, so the cowboy protection guys, they're they're like the main form of defense for the bull rider. So when them guys come off, you're talking professional athletes, these these uh, bullfighters, they work out, I'm talking nonstop, every, every day, in fit, uh, in shape guys that, that there are out there. So their job is to actually distract the bull from the rider. So they'll reach in there and actually grab the bull by the horn and pull that bull away from the rider. And they work as a pretty amazing team because they'll what they do is head the tail one. So there'll be a guy at the front end of the bull and a, and a bull fighter at the back end of the bull and they're making this bull spin circles so and then whenever the cowboy gets down one at the head will start to pull the bull out of the spin and pull him toward himself and that's what uh the bullfighter's job is, is to allow that bull rider to get a run for the scent and then my job i just stay in the barrel and then if he's out my way or if i got handles in the barrel and i can actually pick that barrel up it weighs about 125 pounds i can pick it up and i start moving in closer just in case the bull rider gets thrown out there and then that's where i would take the hit but the, the bull riders are the main they're the first line of defense for that bull rider so let's talk about that athletic ability of what goes on in the arena because i you know you guys get in makeup and we i think we take it for granted that it is not a dangerous job 
Tell me a little bit about what goes on in that arena and some of the things that you watch for before the ambulance comes in. Right. So, you know, biggest thing, I mean, there's all kinds of injuries and stuff, but those bullfighters are in great, great shape. They'll walk out of something that would knock a basic normal human being out or completely out on maybe for a season, trying to go ACL being out or uh, dislocated shoulder or something. But them guys don't quit. They, they stay in there and try to get that cowboy to, uh, to safety. And when I say in shape, you know, these guys, they cross fit and do all the, I mean, every town they go to, it's not like uh, they just work out at, at their hometown rodeo or home gym or, or their house. When they get to that rodeo, they are in the gym every day and they get to come friends. I mean, regardless of what city you're in, you know, you get friends with the, the gym owner and, you know, they come to the rodeo and you end up getting quite the relationship with them, which is fun. But those guys, those bullfighters are truly amazing athletes and can take a beating like no other. And the thing about it is, you know, there's no retirement salary for them. Same way for me, we get paid by the rodeo. So if it's a four day rodeo or if it's a 10 day rodeo, that's how many perps and you got to get through that rodeo to get that check. If you get hurt there, you don't get your check for the next week. You go home and you're unemployed and there's no unemployment. So you're not going to get a check. So you depend on being in shape to help you get through and stay healthy. It's very important for us. I mean, you take Dusty Tuckness and them guys, I, he freaking, you know, you'll get 20 stitches in the head an afternoon perf. And then three hours later, you're back in there for a night perf doing it again. You know, let's talk about that. Both you and Dusty worked the Tucson Rodeo. And I watched a video of Dusty when he got hooked and it ripped his ear off. And his comment was, well, you don't need your ear to fight bulls. Were you at that rodeo? I was not there when he got his ear ripped off. But I've heard lots of stories. Those are the kind of things that are great. Like, <laughs> you don't get your ear ripped off in a bar fight. How did it happen? No, in a, by a bull. People were like, what? I love it. And he went back in the arena and fought the bulls. Oh, yeah. Just throw some bandages on. You don't need an ear. Like you said, you can go back in there and fight bulls at night. And that's the reason Dusty's the best. I mean, he's been in the National Finals Rodeo like 12, 13 times. And the guy's a freaking machine. And that's what I'm talking about. Most people, if you ripped your ear off, you're going to be sitting on the sideline, you know, trying to heal up a little bit. And these guys, rodeo guys, are just not that way. If you get hurt, it's part of your self-pride to get back in there. And we're lucky on, on the medical side to have people like Tandy Freeman, our orthopedic surgeon, that are truly the best in the world. And they know that these guys got to make a living, regardless of, I don't care if you're a bull rider or if you're in a timed event or what it is in rodeo, a clown like myself, you know, when you have knee surgery or shoulder surgery or something, sitting there, we don't care about the pain. We want to know how many days till it is till we get back in that arena so we start paying our bills again. You got good doctors like that. that and they understand what's cool about them is they understand, you know, they got to kind of do their check and make sure that we're not going to uh, endanger ourselves even more by the injury. They take care of us and allow us to, to get back in there. So how many surgeries have you personally had? So I've had uh, both knees redone and my shoulder and then stitches and stuff. We don't even count them anymore. And so Tandy's done all those. So the worst thing about knee surgery or whatever is you feel like you get out of shape. Giving Tandy a hard time. I was like, Tandy, how long until I start jogging, you know, get back on the treadmill? And he's like, are you riding your bicycle? I'm like, yeah. And I was like, I'm getting a belly, Tandy. And he says, uh, and he's kind of dry anyway. And he says, well, you need to do some push-ups. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, maybe try pushing up from that table. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, slow down on the food. <laughs> so what happens in the arena when it rains? You know, you see like baseball and they hurry up and they cover the infield. And when it rains at a rodeo, what happens? So the old uh, circus theme of the show must go on, kind of what comes into play. And uh, I've been at rodeos when it pours down rain. It's raining so hard, you can't even see the grandstands. The crowd has probably left and we still rodeo. I mean, it's just part of it. I've been there when the tornado sirens are going off and the police have come and made the crowd leave and they're telling us to leave. And we're looking at them like, we don't see the tornado, we're bucking horses. That's just kind of the rodeo mentality. The mud, it doesn't matter how deep, unless the barrel 
trail races or somebody like that, their horses start slipping, they ain't going to stop nothing. And uh, I've had to trick ride where it literally almost sucking the shoes off your feet and your horse is like lunging, trying to, you know, run. And most places tell you not to do it, wouldn't have to do an act. And some of them are like, oh yeah, you're doing an act. So I have to go in there and try to do my act in the mud. And just another uh, level of difficulty, same way at that barrel, you know, you get in the barrel and you got it in the mud and what weighed 125 pounds now weighs 150 because every time you set it down, the mud sticks to it. And then if you get knocked over and rolled like Tucson, that, that mud there, that ground is sticky. So it sticks to you and, and your feet are heavy. And so fighting bulls and that, I can't imagine how difficult it is for them guys. And, you know, you got your shoes not only just tied on, but they've got to take that medical tape and they roll and roll and roll around their uh, feet so that their shoes don't come loose. And no, you don't have time to stop and tie your shoe in a situation like that. So what was the paradigm decision-making moment that you decided to be a barrel man? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, <laughs> I started off, I never really, who wants to uh, be a rodeo clown? Like, if it's not something like when you're three, it's like, you know, one day when I grow up, I want to be a clown. That, like I joke with my wife too, there's not a chick out there, there's not a lady that ever says the same thing that someday I'm going to grow up and marry a rodeo clown. So I think I wanted to ride bulls. My grandfather was a world champion bull rider. I was like, oh yeah, I'd be a bull rider. You know, my mom stuck me on a steer when I was about 10. It thumped me so hard, knocked the breath out of me. And I was like, why in the world would anybody want to ride a bull? So I was at the rodeo and saw the Leon Adams and had a had an act and then his wife was trick riding and I saw Roman riding and it's like, man, this is where it's at. You get to check every single time you're at the show, regardless if you fall off or what happens. And so I started Roman riding and trick riding and trick roping. And then uh, I realized probably to become a barrel man, I had my PRCA card, got it in 1999 and I was at some rodeos and working with other clowns. And I've seen lots of clowns work. Economy wise, when a rodeo was struggling or first budget cut they did, they take the act out. They wouldn't hire the specialty act, but they always had a clown. And I recognized that. And I was like, man, if I want to do this and make good money and make myself a living, I'm going to have to learn to start doing comedy. And that's kind of the transition. I was like, I guess I'll try it. And I was terrible. <laughs> One of my first rodeos <laughs> as in comedy, I'll never forget this. You know, I, would, I was already nominated for Comedy Act of the Year because I had an act that we made fun of rodeo queens, which rodeo queens are great ambassadors to our sport. But just like anybody in anything, there's always one or two people that can give somebody a bad name. And there's always those rodeo queens that couldn't ride and they'd fall off and speech was terrible. And so anyway, we made fun of them. I had an act where I dressed in drag. I come out in an old convertible car and they tell me rodeo queens don't ride in cars. They have to ride horses and they bring me this horse to ride and we act like we're having a runaway. And this horse jumps over the car with me on it, acting like it's, you know, crazy wreck. So this was the act I was doing. I could do the act, no problem. But walking and talking, as we call it in rodeo, where you put a microphone on and you're out there during the event and you're trying to be funny and talk to the crowd. I was terrible. We went to Ramona, California, and I got booed. First PRCA rodeo. I was like, oh gosh, I just got booed. I got to work on my comedy a little bit. It was good reality check for me, though. When you're deciding on this material that you use, how much does politics play into it? Oh gosh, I'm going to tell you right now, comedy is almost impossible to make everybody happy. It's one of the most difficult jobs, I feel like, in the nation because it doesn't matter what you say. If it's funny, it's going to offend somebody. And regardless if it involves politics or if it involves a mother in law, or you know whatever it is you can make fun of yourself and you'll have people offended that you just put yourself down some i mean it's just like you can't win with everybody you know you get the emails and stuff and you just get to where you just kind of laugh it off and i mean you can tell if you said something offensive and sometimes i do a lot of stuff off the cuff and i'm hearing it for the first time too and it'll come out and my wife will put her head down and be like oh my gosh i can't believe you said that i'm kind of same way and sometimes i'll say stuff and didn't even know it but i'm that person though that i use the wrong words every day of my life i'll be trying to say something i went to the cleaners and asked if they did altercation and they were like no and I'm like well why would y'all not want to do altercation and they're like alterations I'm like that's the word I'm looking for yes I called my mother-in-law a dominatrix <laughs> what? 
<laughs> Oops, I guess I really didn't really know what that meant. She left the man on my wife's uh, pillow at the house. I'm like, she's such a nice dominatrix. Now it's like maitre d', and my wife's like, that's not the word either. So <laughs> I don't know. But it's so, a comedy is, is tough. Do you find it that in certain parts of the, the country, they're lighter hearted than others? Like, is, is California really PC where, you know, maybe Wyoming isn't? Yeah, for sure. Like, you can get by with anything, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana. And then the coast, all coastal towns are kind of, I feel like, a little tougher more populated areas same way and but you know what some of your biggest laugh will come from that too like you know you've been in san francisco and harass nancy pelosi and the crowd's going to laugh and you might have somebody in there that's ended but i mean the crowd everybody gets comedy even if you don't mean it from your heart it's a joke it is definitely depending on demographics it's the same way with like my rodeo queen act where i dressed in drag a rodeo outside of portland there and people was offended that i was dressed as a woman with big boobs and it's just like you know dressed as a woman without boobs it doesn't really it's hard for people it doesn't play well. So anyway, yeah, it doesn't play right. <laughs> yeah, you just try to explain it to them, and then you realize that you're not going to win that battle. You can't argue with them, and you just kind of ignore them. Since you started your first appearance in radio, whatever you were doing, um, whether you were trick riding, whether you were Roman riding, how many miles do you think you've traveled? Oh, gosh. We was laughing the other day. I've got a horse trailer for sale. We had it on the road with us for 10 years, so we was adding up the miles. I was like, dang, that thing's been a million and a half miles. Literally coast to coast. I've done rodeos in East Machias, Maine, which to me the first place the sun hits the United States when it's coming up in the morning to, to San Diego, literally crisscrossing the country. And all your rodeos aren't necessarily in a straight line. Driving is part of it. And some cowboys have the blessed enough to be able to take a rig and bag. Some of them fly to the rodeos. But most of your rodeo people drive. And then like for me, we drive, we got a one ton pickup truck ram with a horse trailer on behind. And then the horse trailer has our living quarters. So it's like a camper in the front for the, most people who don't understand what an LQ living quarter horse trailer is. So we got 17 foot of basic, your couch and shower, half of the trailer is your horse compartment. So your horses travel in there and when you get to where you're going, you, you unload them and stuff. But, so we think about that. I had a horse that is, you know, 26 years old, is still going. I think about the miles that he's been. He's been there one of the miles with me riding in the back of that trailer. Driving's the worst thing probably about our job. I don't mind the traveling. I love being gone. I love being in all different towns, but the driving part, it gets old. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. And my wife, however, married a gal from California. You know, it's my it's my livelihood in that truck and trailer when we're driving. You know, everything I am making my money with my horses and stuff are in there. And I didn't really trust her when we first got married to drive it because I pulled the car behind the trailer. So we're 74 feet long trying to drive through Minneapolis, St. Paul, you know, it's a long rig. And with doubles on, you can't back up. And my wife being from California, she's kind of ranching community gal. And she goes, you know, I can pull a truck and trailer. And I was like, oh, I'm sure you can. We got out in South Dakota about two o'clock in the morning. There was no cars and I was tired. I was like, here you are, baby. Time to prove me right. And she did. I'll send that lady right now through LA and Houston with a trailer on and she does it no problem. She's a trucker. And the economy the way it is, I told her I'm going to get her job for J.B. Hunt. Put her on the road. So after all of these years, what's your favorite rodeo? And maybe not one that you still work, but what's your favorite rodeo? Oh, so picking a favorite rodeo is so difficult because it's something probably like going to a different ball field and you like it because of the crowd or you like it because of the history of the field or, you know, whatever it is. Like for me, Ogden, Utah, the Pioneer Days Rodeo, and that rodeo there is truly one of my favorite. It sits right up against the mountains. It's right by the Air Force Base. Patriotic. They'll buzz the arena with fighter jets. I love that rodeo. Hospitality, like 
like no other. That committee there, they take care of the Cowboys. They have showers. When I say showers, it's like the Ritz-Carlton kind of shower. They have tiled showers for the contestants with white towels. Who gives Cowboys white towels? Nobody. But they do there. They hook you up. They got towels there. Free haircuts, massages. I mean, all this stuff for the Cowboys. Great, great food. They take care of you. But one of my favorite places to rodeo, people catch, like, they're like, are you serious? Is Minnesota and Wisconsin. Madison, Wisconsin, Midwest Horse Fair there. That is probably my favorite event to work of all places in the United States. It's crazy. Now, we talked about what's the best part of your job. What's the worst part? Oh, being gone from the family. You know, when you get somewhere, it's fun. Rodeo is family. You get to be friends with people on the road, and we love, you know, catching up with everybody in Vegas. But the hardest part is whenever I'm at a rodeo, my kid's playing peewee baseball, and I'm having to get Snapchat, short video clips from it, and he's calling me after the game. And you miss that. Even if it's a Monday, Tuesday, and you're not even rodeoing that night, you're still gone. Uh, with kids starting school, they can't miss so many days. You know, I do. They miss a lot of days going to rodeos. But that's the hardest part for me is being away from the family. During the summertime, when the kids are out of school, we throw everybody in the truck, and we load them up, and uh, we are a circus. You know, we got five or six of us in the front of a truck, and there's French fries and drinks spilled and all kinds of stuff. But that's the worst part is being gone from the family. When your kids get to bring you school and, and tell them what you do for Parents' Day, <laughs> how does that go over? Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure. So, like, career day, they're going to be like, yeah, my dad's in prison. He couldn't make it because <laughs> what kid wants to bring their dad to school and he wears makeup and spandex? <laughs> No, you know, some kids got a firefighter for a dad, and my dad dresses in drag on the weekend. <laughs> but no, actually, my kids they they actually like it. My son actually dresses up like I do and goes out for the mutton busting and, and help. He, he respects my job. He sees it every day. And so when I go to school, all the kids there are like, "Oh, your dad's the clown. Your dad's the clown." It's kind of fun, but I haven't had to give the good thing part yet with the kids. Uh, we do a lot of school assemblies actually for our hometown. I've dodged that bullet so far. So I'm I'm hoping I'll get called into that. <laughs> How did you decide on your particular makeup or your particular outfit? How did you come to that? Everybody's different when it comes to makeup. And so makeup is, is there. It's for the kids. There's some guys, especially bullfighters. I'm not wearing no makeup. I'm an athlete. Yeah, well, so Flint Rasmussen is one of the best barrel men in the world and can dance like no other and do all kinds of stuff. And that guy's an athletic dude as they come. So you can say athlete or not. They don't Makeup don't make you that. But makeup's one of them things you got to set. Once you get your look, you keep that look. You want to put that makeup on and every picture you got, going to be the same. For me, the old school clowns used to cover their entire I, I noticed that a lot of the little kids were scared of that. For me, I did both eyes, my lips, and white. And I took some a little bit from Quell Dobbs, who's an old barrel man back in the day that was one of the best, a legend. And then Keith Isley, who's one of the best and a hero to me. And I took a little bit from different guys, regardless if it's my whiskers or my eye makeup or my colors even. I came up with a look and it changed once 18 years that I've been doing this with my nose. I used to do full red nose all the way up to like your glasses would set probably and then i ended up just doing the bottom of my nose in red i, I just felt like it was just too much i guess but anyway we, we keep that look powder it after every time you get it on so it don't smear as bad baby powder and that's kind of how it how the old uh, uh makeup came about so you don't really have the clown nightmare jokes from the kids it, it's pretty much uh, it, it's a much softer <laughs> approach right yeah for sure because you know the old clowns that, that are hiding in the in the bushes and stuff you know they're like big wigs and you know and i don't wear a wig and my deal is just a basic red hat yeah not a whole lot of face paint it's crazy how even you'd be surprised the kids the adults that are scared of clowns that really throws gas on my fire at a rodeo because i'm if you are a 35 year old and you are still scared of a clown walking around and you know you've had some childhood issues you watched it too much <laughs> and i am fixing i'm fixing to have fun with you at the rodeo <laughs> well yeah. you have a son you said he dresses up like you how excited are you to have him following your footsteps oh gosh you know he says he wants to play professional baseball so we'll definitely go do that that's going to pay a lot better and then he wanted to be a team roper and I said, well, maybe you need to think about clowning. 
So uh, not that I don't want him a team rope, but I, he sees these team ropers make good money. And But the problem is they got to go to lots of shows where they don't make money. And uh, I'm excited for him. Uh, he wants to do it. He's an athletic little booger. He's wanting to learn to uh, trick ride. It's exciting to see your kids want to trick ride, even though the danger is there. It's not something that most kids learn. They learn to ride a horse the correct way, a foot on both sides, not hanging upside down with your feet tied in the strap. So it is kind of nerve wracking whenever it comes to your kid doing something and you just want to make sure you got right horses for them. And now, but I'm excited to see where he's going. Same way with my daughter. If she wants to trick ride, I'm going to, I'm going to support her. It's a lot harder for the ladies to make a living and uh, just doing the acts without having the comedy. But if my son wants to do it, I'll support him. And he's already got a pretty good end because he knows all the rodeo committees and all the stock contractors and all the bullfighters for helping him. So got a split in the door. So <laughs> in your performance in the arena, have you ever had any of your clothing malfunction? Oh gosh. Yes. That's going to happen with horns, with hooves, with three movements. That's going to break. We were in Prairie Sheen, Wisconsin. We were rodeoing on an island. It was really cool. And it was actually my first time trick riding with a group of people. And I was super excited to do it. And I was sporting some white Wranglers. Okay. You got to picture me. You know, I have on a sequin shirt, white Wrangler jeans. Well, Cowboy Way, a lot of people don't wear underwear. And I was one of those people. And I was trick riding. I, I go to do what you call a shoulder stand where you're on a horse and you go to dive to ride upside down. Your feet going to be straight up in the air. And whenever I reached with my legs to go over that neck, put it up in the air, I ripped my pants from the inseam all the way to the, about where the buckle would be. No underwear. So at this time, I am going, you know, 20 mile per hour around the arena and having no idea who I'm flashing at this point. And I get back the corner and the other trick riders and their eyes were like huge and I'm like I don't know what to do and so one of them had this big neck scarf on and she took it off and she's like put this on and come time to do my next trick and of course I couldn't do it uh just going to be as I just sat there on my horse and just waved at the people with a big old scarf on. Then one time, my Olympic outfit, it ripped out, but I was wearing underwear on it. Yeah, you have malfunctions. I've seen bull riders same way. Bull fighters get like everything ripped off of them. It's just bulldoggers same way. You know, they jump down to wrestle, steer. Clothing malfunction is definitely something that happens a lot in rodeo. You could have a whole new book that has embarrassing moments in rodeo fashion. Oh, gosh, for sure. You know, there's embarrassing moments regardless of your travel. I shut down the interstate between Houston and San Antonio for about an hour and my train caught fire. I was going from El Paso to Kissimmee, Florida at one, two o'clock in the morning, something like that. Anyway, my buddy was like, hey, you got some sparks back there. And we looked. And I was like, dang, tire, you know. And so I get out. My tire was actually catching fire. So I called 911. Uh, I had my horses on, you know. So my trailer's filling up with smoke. And I was trying to get my horses untied. And they are pawing and stomping because this trailer's full of smoke. And it's fire now. I had hay on my hay rack above my horses. It caught fire. And I had a gasoline. My generator rack was right above the tire, too. So it's getting ready to blow. And the lady from 911 says, I will send a highway patrolman. And I went off on this lady. I'm like, I don't need a damn highway patrolman. I need a fire truck. So here comes the highway patrolman, and he gets out his little fire extinguisher. It's like, he's going to do something. You cannot put out tires. <laughs> Uh, that are on fire with a fire extinguisher. We had to get a daggone foam truck. We had the interstate shut down. We had foam from the top of the trailer to the median and just cars lined up. And then the lady also, when you're driving all night, the 911 lady is like, where are you at? And I'm like, between Houston and San Antonio. And she's like, sir, there's 150 miles there. <laughs> I was like, hell, I don't know. Look for the plane. So anyway, my buddy tripped over the mile marker sign, and we finally got the fire truck there. And we looked like a barbecue grill going down the highway. Well, we finally got the new axle put underneath it. And my trailer was burnt all to pieces. And so my horses got back on there, believe it or not, after all the smoke and stuff. It was crazy. <laughs> 
Well, John, thanks for taking the time to join us in the green room. Thanks a lot. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. You can always catch more of John, his family, and his makeup tips on his Instagram at Clown In the Green Room, sponsored by SOS Global Express. Proudly supporting the frontline efforts throughout the COVID-19 pandemic.